in episode 30 of the Guitar Music Theory podcast, I tell you the number one best exercise to improve your guitar playing. Welcome to the Guitar Music Theory Podcast. I am your host, Desi Serna, author of Fretboard Theory, Guitar Theory for Dummies, and many more. Today we're going to talk about guitar exercises. You know that if you want to get good at playing guitar, you need to develop the right skills. Developing the right skills involves increasing your hand strength and finger dexterity, as well as improving the coordination between your hands. Many guitarists look to guitar exercises to develop these skills. But before we get into all the details, let me remind you to go to my website, guitarmusictheory.com, answer the questions I ask you about your playing, and get free custom video instruction calibrated to your current level. Learn how to fill in any gaps you may have in your playing, and get on a steady plan so you can progressively play and sound better today in as little as 33 minutes. Go to guitarmusictheory.com and enroll in a free video course today. Hey, before we get talking about guitar exercises, uh, just want to talk about a few emails I received recently. So, you know, when I restarted this podcast uh, last month, I said I wasn't sure when I actually uh, began it because I had lost records of that on my end. You can go back to hear the story. Um, uh, you can go back to that previous podcast episode uh, from about a month ago or so and hear that story. But anyway, uh, so one of my uh, long-time, long-time listeners, first-time callers, uh, Fred, um, told me that he actually had my podcast still on his old iPod Touch, and they were dated June fifteenth, two 2007. So that means that they are – my original podcast was at least that old and probably was started uh, before then. Anyway, thanks, Fred, for that email. I um, also want to share uh, another email I got from uh, – Someone who recently uh, enrolled in some of my uh, courses and has been listening to my latest podcast episodes. And um, it, he said, uh, hey, I've been listening to your latest podcast episodes. Towards the end, you describe me to a T. I am literally ashamed to tell people how long I've played because pretty much all I can do is noodle. Yeah. He says uh, that he was uh, always interested in theory and scales and, and you know, gathering information about music, but he said that it was unfortunately to the detriment of his actual learning of songs, and he just became a noodler. So I've been talking about that in many of my recent podcast episodes. Um, information is good, but you need to learn how to play real songs and make real music. And I have found that many of my students, particularly many of my podcast listeners, have gotten ahead of themselves. They have more information than they need, and they kind of need to back up and actually learn how to apply the information they know to their playing in the form of actually playing real songs all the way through. And so I've been talking a lot about that. I have free courses on the website that will help you get started with that. So um, I appreciate getting this email. I'm just sharing this one, but I've gotten several emails that are very similar to this where people are like, you know, I never totally put everything together. I've just been an aimless noodler this whole time, and you've really convicted me to actually learn how to play 
real music and real songs and get in a structured plan. So, hey, I'm glad that um, I am uh, inspiring and motivating everybody to, um, to get better at their guitar playing. So we're going to continue that by talking about guitar exercises today. Um, a, a lot of guitar players look to guitar exercises because they know that um, becoming a good player requires you to have some level of uh, finger dexterity. And so they look to exercises as a way to improve their dexterity with the idea that it's going to make their hands more coordinated and stronger, and then they'll be able to, you know, play more like their guitar heroes. If you do a search for guitar exercises and like Google, countless articles will come up in the search results, and you read these articles, and they'll promise to whip your fingers into shape and help you play better, and they'll say you're going to sound amazing. You know, all you need to do is practice these daily drills and the drills usually involve using all four fingers on your fretting hand to play some sort of tricky note arrangement some sort of challenging note arrangement if you've ever tried any of these types of exercises you know that they feel like you're playing a game of twister on the fretboard and they they sound very strange too because they're not really based on anything musical they're just based on um, some sort of tricky note arrangement. They're supposed to be challenging for your fingers. So they might sound something like this, you know. Right? Or sometimes you'll do some fingering and picking exercises like this. and so on. Uh, do they sound familiar? I know you can't see me, but if you could, you could see that I'm, you know, uh, I've got all four fingers on the fretboard and uh, <clears throat> I'm using these uh, for their uh, exercises. Sometimes you'll go through like a chromatic scale. Right? Using all four uh, fingers. So uh, this is pretty typical of what you find when you look for Guitar exercises. But here's the question. Do these finger exercises really whip you into shape so you can play better guitar? Do they really make a difference? Are they going to be the difference maker for you? Let me tell you my opinion. No. I don't think they make a difference. I do not think that they help. I, To be completely honest, I think that they are a waste of time. Uh, so... Let me explain that. I'm going to explain why I think these exercises are a waste of time. And then I'm going to tell you what I believe is the number one best exercise you can do to improve your guitar playing. And then I'm going to talk about some other things a little bit later. So stick around. There's a lot to cover here. So why do I think that these types of guitar exercises that uh, I just played and described, why do I think they are a waste of time? Here's why. Because they require, require you to play something that doesn't sound like real music. And the fingerings that you need to perform these exercises are not fingerings you would use in real music. You see the problem with that? So you're training yourself to do something with the idea that it's going to help you reach a certain goal. But what you're actually practicing is, um, isn't what you isn't the type of skill you need to reach your goal. 
So as a result, these exercises don't really get you any closer um, to, to playing real music, to, to your playing goals. So, But do you know what will improve your skills and get you playing in the manner that you need to play real music? Are you ready for it? Let's all say it together. Playing songs. You've heard me emphasize that um, throughout all of my recent podcast episodes. Um, I have discovered that this is a major deficit with many of my listeners and students. Again, I mentioned you know, just uh, at the, earlier in this podcast that most people gather information, but they, uh, they are lacking in the application. And by application, I mean you know, playing songs. So playing songs is, without a doubt, the number one best exercise you can do to improve your guitar playing. But there's a little bit more to it than that. So instead of merely playing songs, you actually want to take the parts from the songs and turn them into exercises so that you are playing the specific passages that you need to play songs and you're using the specific fingerings and techniques that you need to play those songs. So you're improving those techniques. You're not improving this technique. Which you're never going to do in a song. So why do, why do you want to get good at that if you're never going to do it in a song, right? Okay, so let me give you some practical uh, examples of, of what this might mean uh, to you. So let's say, that, for example, that you're a be beginner guitarist and you're trying to learn your first songs, right? Um, so should you, be, should you be doing that sort of stuff? No, absolutely not. You need to focus on... Um, basic chords. That's really where, you know, all beginner guitar players should start. Basic uh, so-called open position chords, which are not only perfect for beginners, but they're chords that all guitar players use at all stages of playing, right? So uh, it's just a good place to start for beginners. You want to start with the song. You know, once you, once you learn how to play the basic chords and how to learn them from a chord chart, you want to jump into a song. Uh, and you'll make exercises out of the things that are necessary to play the song. So your first exercise might be simply um, training yourself how to form the chord shape. Here's an open G chord. I shouldn't have told you that. I should have played it and then asked you if you knew what chord that was. Just for a little ear training fun. Anyway, I told you. That's a G chord. All right, how about this? What is this? Here's the G chord. Here's another chord. What is it? If you said C, you are correct. But this isn't about ear training. This is about guitar exercises. So let's say that you've learned G, C, and D, and uh, you want to learn how to play your first song. You're going to learn, you know, Love Me Do by the Beatles, right? But you're just getting started and your fingers aren't ready to put it all together yet, so you need to practice. So the first thing you might do is practice just fingering those chord shapes, you know. Make sure you get your fingers in the right position on the strings so that uh, all this, the notes ring clearly. You know, you have to practice getting your fingers in position. And then you might lift your fingers off the chord shape and then put them back down and just practice forming that chord shape and strumming it. You'll do the same with the other chord shapes. There's a C chord. Of course.
course, you know, if you're a beginner, your chords aren't going to sound this perfect. It takes time to uh, refine them. Then you might make an exercise out of practice, uh, out of switching between the chords. So in this case, I got to go back and forth between G and C. So you have to plan out how you're going to move, which fingers are going to go down first. Um, how are you going to finger the chords? You know, sometimes there's different ways to finger a chord. Like, for example, G, you could do it with fingers 1, 2, and 3, or 2, 3, and 4. There's also a four-finger version you could use. Which one uh, works best as you move to C? Which one makes it easier for you to move to C, right? So you experiment with that stuff, and you rehearse it. That's the sort of stuff you want to be focusing your practice time on, not... Okay, that's not going to help you sound like the Beatles. Um, you know, once you get the chords down, you want to practice playing along with the music. Then you, you might learn how to uh, play a strum pattern. And you're breaking down these different components of the song, and you're practice, practicing them. And then you start working on putting them together. And your ultimate goal then is to be able to put the song on and play along with the song and keep up like you're part of the band. And you may need to slow the song, uh, slow the song down, um, which I recommend doing. I do that in a lot of my uh, lessons. If you're enrolled in some of my uh, free courses and stuff, you know that I often uh, like to slow them down. That's a great way to ease your way into a song and make it um, easier because sometimes songs just go by too quickly for you to put it all together um, when you're just learning it for the first time. Um, but anyway, your goal is to play along with the music like you're part of the band. So when you get to that point where you're able to, to play along, then that becomes your exercise, playing with the band, keeping up with the, with the, uh, with the recording seeing how far you can make it in the song. You might be able to make it through a verse, but do you have the endurance to make it through the entire song and play for three minutes uh, straight? So those are the kinds of things that a beginner guitar player would work on because those things are the only way you're going to develop the specific skills needed to play real music. These other types of exercises that you see where you play these chromatic scales and that sort of thing you could become a master at those, but then you still have to go back and learn your chords and learn how to switch and learn how to strum and play along. So what do you, why are you wasting your time with, with, the, with those non-musical exercises? I mean, what's, what, what's the point of them? All right? That's my, that's my opinion. So, okay, I gave you an example of what a beginner guitar player could be working on, but let's say that you're a more advanced guitar player. And let's say that you're trying to, you're trying to learn lead guitar and you're struggling with a particular solo because you just don't quite have the facility to, you know, play something like that. So do you go back to those exercises? Nope, you don't. What you'll do is you will take the the phrases from the solo itself and you're going to turn them into um, into exercises. I'm going to switch guitars here real quick. I was playing my Bluesman Vintage Guitars sedan, which is basically a Strat guitar. And now I'm moving to my PRS 594 McCarty. I actually put Seymour Duncan pickups in this thing. Um, although the original pickups are fantastic, too. I just was experimenting. 
Okay, uh, let's get a good sound here. I'm going to play a little bit of... Uh... Okay, Stairway to Heaven. I use this in a lot of my examples because uh, everybody knows Stairway to Heaven. It's a fantastic solo, and I'm giving you an example of how you would take a guitar solo and turn it into exercises, and uh, this one will, will work well. So... So what do you do? Um, there's lots of things you could do in order to turn something like this into an exercise. The first thing I might do is uh, recommend that you figure out what scale it's in. So the guitar solo here to Stairway to Heaven is in the A minor pentatonic scale, right? There's an F note, which isn't in the scale, but most of it, most of the solo is actually based in A minor pentatonic patterns. So a good exercise might be for you to just review those patterns, you know? Right? Um, this is not only good for... Uh, you know, getting your fingers prepared, but it's also good just for uh, visualizing, um, you know, your position on the fretboard and just getting to know um, <clears throat> how the guitar solo moves across the fretboard. All right, so uh, next, you know, the the solo starts with a bend. Well, that's a full step bend, which means you bend it up a whole step. And in music, a whole step is two frets on the guitar. So in this case, um, I'm fretting a D note on string three at the seventh fret. And I'm bending it up to sound two frets higher, like an E note. And you may need to practice... Um, you know, getting your fingers in the right position so that you can uh, put, push up the third string, bend it, but you can keep the other strings quiet. You know, and with this type of bend, I like to uh, fret the note with my ring finger, and then I put my middle finger on the same string uh, behind it. I use the strength of both fingers to push the string, and then my index finger actually lays flat behind both of those fingers, and it keeps the other strings down so as I bend the string, I don't go under the, the strings above me. Um, and it also keeps uh, uh, the strings quiet. So the index finger there is laying flat, uh, lightly touching the strings to control unwanted string noise. So that might be a practice that you do, right? To make sure you can get under that string and bend it up and keep the other strings quiet. Um, you might want to practice bending to the right pitch. So you might fret the note that's your target pitch. In this case, it's E. And then go back to the D and practice bending up to hit that pitch. Right? That's the way you, you could practice. You want to make sure your, your bends are uh, uh, in tune. So the next part of the solo, you have this um, bit of descending A minor pentatonic, and there's a there's kind of a, a a bit of kind of a, a melodic pattern to it. Starts in the tonic pitch A. It's descending the scale. And then it uh, hops up a couple of chord uh, scale tones. Then it ends on an F note, which is... Um, uh, outside of the A minor pentatonic scale. It is in the A minor scale, though, if you're thinking of it that way. All right, and this might be a portion of the solo that uh, trips a lot of people up, especially if you don't have uh, 
if you haven't developed a lot of lead guitar technique. So it's not really that fast, but it might be fast for you, you know, depending on where you're at um, and you're playing right now. So you might be unsure how to finger it. So your fingers might, you might be fumbling a little bit. You might be sure how to, you might be unsure how to pick it. So you're struggling to pick the strings uh, accurately. So you can make an exercise out of this by um, trying to trying different fingerings, okay? Do you want to use your pinky as you descend the scale? Or do you want to, you know, some people would uh, take a three-fingered approach and they would reach up with their ring finger and stretch their fingers out a little bit more and use their ring finger. I want to take just that much of the passage. So I'm going right down an A minor pentatonic scale, starting with A at the fifth fret on the first string, if you want to visualize that. So here's the next note. Am I going to use my pinky for that? That's string two, eighth fret. Or do I want to use my ring finger for that? Now, in some cases, I... I might be comfortable using one particular finger. I might say, oh, well, it's just easiest to use my pinky. Um, but when in the moment when I'm playing the solo up to tempo and putting it together with everything else, I find that you know, maybe using my pinky causes me to stumble. So I want to practice playing it with some different fingerings to see which one actually works you know, in, in the moment. You know? <laughs> I find that I prefer to use my uh, my ring finger and leave my pinky out of it if I can. Um, so think about that too. Um, I've had a lot of students that um, have struggled to play certain things, and when I look when I watch their fingering, I said, "Well, you know, have you tried different fingering?" They're like, "Well, I always practice my pentatonics, and I I always play this note with this finger and this note with that finger." And I'm like, "Okay," and they're like, "That's very comfortable for me." I'm like. Well, that might work when you're just playing up and down the pattern slowly, you know. But when you actually start playing guitar solos and you're bending strings and you're hammering on and you're pulling off and you got, you know, um, different phrases mixed in with other licks, sometimes the a fingering that works fine when you're just playing up and down the pattern by itself isn't the best choice any longer. And you have to put some thought into that. And sometimes you might have to do something that is different than what you would expect. Um, so I'm not saying you should use your pinky or you shouldn't use your pinky. I'm saying you should explore some different options and see which one – and then rehearse it, you know, and see which which one works when, uh, when the heat is on here. So let's um, uh, tap my foot here. So I'll do that again with a different fingering. So you might want to go just take that much of it. Maybe even speed it up a little bit more and say, you know, all right, when you're really, you know, when you really put it to the test, which fingering wins out? What about when you come from that bend? Is there a particular fingering you're using, but 
it doesn't work well when you come from that bend. You know what I mean? You've got to think about that um, sort of stuff. So you make this an exercise and you work it out. Let's talk about the picking. Um, the picking is something that would trip up a lot of people, and the picking is probably something that the picking is often overlooked. When I start that descending run, I'm picking all the notes here. Um, do I start with a downstroke? Well, let's let's just. Um, am I going to alternate my pick, or am I going to use like all downstrokes? Am I going to? Here's all downstrokes. Okay, I, I don't like that. That's a lot of work trying to play down, 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 down. So I'm more comfortable alternating my pick. Down, up, down, up, down, up. But do I want to start with the downstroke? Uh, most people probably wouldn't think about it. They probably would just naturally start with the downstroke. And if they did think about it, they'd probably think that that makes most logical sense. Start down, up, down, up, down, up, right? But here's the thing. If I start with the downstroke, I play the first string with a downstroke. And so uh, imagine this in your mind, okay? You're playing the fifth fret of the first string. You play it with a downstroke, and now your pick is, has finished that pick stroke, and it's resting below all the strings, right? And now I've got to lift the pick up, bring it over the first string, and then come back to the second string, to com to continue with the passage and play the second string with an upstroke. Got that? And then I would keep going. So uh, down, up, down. I do the same thing here. Up. I just switched to the third string. Down. Same thing here. I'm switching to the fourth string. Up. So when I do those string changes, as I go from the first string to the second string, second to the third, third to the fourth. I've, I finish with a downstroke, and I got to come back and begin that new string with an upstroke. Maybe you never thought about that, but that could really trip you up, slow you down, and cause you to miss strings or just feel uncomfortable playing this passage. If I play this part and I start with an upstroke instead, so that first string is an upstroke. Now my pick is kind of up in the air, and it's perfectly positioned to come right down on the second string to, to continue the passage. That's a downstroke. There's another upstroke, and I'm perfectly positioned to come down on the third string to continue. Upstroke, and I come down on the uh, fourth string. So it's up, down, up, down, up, down. That actually is less work for the picking hand and feels mo it feels comfortable to most people. Um, and uh, it might feel a little awkward to begin with, with an upstroke. So your hand might fight you with that. that you might have to practice that, make that an exercise, right? So you do the bend. It's also right on the beat. And, you know... We train ourselves to strum with our down, the downstroke of the pick on the downbeat, which is which is good to do. Um, that is a technique that you need uh, to be able to do, but it's not a hard and fast rule you follow. In this case, I want to put the upstroke right on the beat there. Up, up, right. So you might have to practice that. 
But you might find that once you get comfortable with that, the rest of the picking makes more sense and you can play the line uh, smoothly and more comfortably, right? So this is your exercise. If you sit around and practice something like this, you're not only going to... Um, learn a musical passage that's featured in a real song, one of the most famous songs of all time, but you're training yourself to use a, use fingering, uh, use a fingering and use a picking scheme that is used in real music. This is really useful stuff because these are the precise skills you need to play real music. So that's, this is the type of thing you should be spending your time on, right? Not... <laughs> There. How awful was that? Notice I, I notice I don't even play that exercise really well. And guess what? I don't need to. <laughs> to date, I've never been. I've never played a song where I had to uh, play a passage that went like that. So I'm happy to play it terribly. I don't need to be good at it. But I, I'll tell you what I do want to be good at. <laughs> So um, I learned this solo years ago. I couldn't play it right at the very start. It took time for me to develop the skills needed to play it. And then it even took more time for me to refine my skills over the years. But I would make little exercises out of all the little licks and passages. And I would practice those. I would turn those into drills. And then I would join those pieces together until ultimately I actually played the whole solo. So that's another example. I talked about what a beginner guitar player can do. I talked about what a lead guitar player could do to um, <clears throat> make exercises out of songs. There's a lot of stuff in between, a lot of other examples I could give you, but I think that you get the point. And the main point is that when the songs you play guide how you practice, then you ensure that your practice time is productive in the best way possible. So you develop the precise skills needed to play songs when you play songs. And then your song playing skills will improve as your song repertoire grows. That's why I tell everybody, learn songs, learn songs. You want to have the, the technique and chops of Eric Clapton? Learn his songs, right? It's, I mean... Whoever your favorite guitarist or band is, it kind of boggles my mind that most people think that somehow they can just become that person through if they just had the right information or the right exercise, but they don't actually learn that that person or that band's repertoire of songs. Learn the songs. That's how you're going to develop uh, <clears throat> your skills. Now, uh, this process of using using exercises is great, but... You want to make sure, uh, sure that you select songs that are appropriate for your playing level, okay? So if you're just getting started with the guitar, don't start with complicated songs. Learn how to play simple songs first and master those simple songs, then move on to songs that are slightly more challenging for you to play. Um, I also recommend, like in general, that you uh, get your rhythm guitar skills in order before you try anything else. Uh, some guitar players are so eager, so anxious to get into 
riffing and jamming, you know, because they've been watching these Joe Bonamassa videos on YouTube, and they're like, that's what I want to do. And so they get a guitar, and they, they think they're going to go straight to that. Um, man, there's so much that goes into um, Joe Bonamassa's style, so much technique, so much understanding of music and everything. And if that's your ultimate goal, you still need to st- you still need to focus first on getting your rhythm guitar skills in order, and then uh, uh, then you can uh, move from there, right? So, and then as you do move from there, you want to learn simple riffs and melodies before you try your hand at playing guitar solos, right? You may not want to jump straight to guitar solos. Learn some riffs. Learn how to play some simple melodies on the guitar. Make sure that when you are selecting music to work on, Make sure that it's it's within reach, right? Uh, in, in regard to where you're, what stage of playing you're at. So don't get ahead of yourself. And if if you find that you've gotten ahead of yourself, and you're kind of in over your head on something, then just back up and work on something simpler, so you can fill in the gaps in your playing, and then just gradually work on playing, you know, more songs that require more skill and eventually you're going to reach your playing goals. That's the only way to do it. People, if you think that you're going to be able to like skip over all of that and just, you know, learn some basics and then suddenly you're going to be ripping up solos like Steve Ray Vaughan. You know, I got news for you. You're, you're wasting your time. And not only that, you're missing out on so much fun. It's a lot of fun to strum along with Beatles songs using basic chords. It's a lot of fun to play, um, you know, some simple uh, gu- guitar riffs and stuff. And there's so much to learn from it. So um, you don't want to miss out on that <clears throat> fun. Now, okay, it is true that I think that playing songs is the best exercise you can do. And I've explained to you how you can make that process of learning songs, um, how you can turn it into exercises, right? But there are some other things aside from songs that um, – that do work as useful exercises, and that would include playing scales. So playing scales is a great way to limber up, um, limber up your fingers. You know, sharpen your picking technique. It's also a good way just to get to you know to get to know your way around the uh, fretboard. And practicing scales will also prepare you to play melodies and riffs and solos that you hear in music. Uh, However, you need to practice the right scales. Which scales do you think you should be practicing? I love that how I've started a new thing in this podcast episode. I'm asking questions. Earlier I asked you to identify a C chord. Um, Tell me if you like it. Should I do more of this? And then I'll have some dramatic pauses. Which scales should you be learning how to play? That's right. Now we sound like this is an episode of Dora the Explorer. Explorer. Uh, she asks questions and then pauses, you know. Uh, I've got two daughters, people. We've watched a lot of Dora the Explorer in this household, let me tell you. Anyway, um, you want to make sure that when, if you're going to put time into practicing scales, that you practice the scale patterns that are actually used in popular styles of music. And they are pentatonic scale patterns and major scale patterns. So uh, th- there is the uh, answer. It won't do you much good to practice scales if they are patterns that just aren't used 
in music, okay? So to make the best use of your time, you should practice playing pentatonic scale patterns and uh, major scale patterns. So, for example, um, you know, here's a G major pentatonic scale. Um, pentatonic patterns uh, typically are played with two notes per string. So you, um, so that's a technique you want to get used to, fingering two notes per string. It's a, tech, it's a picking technique you want to get used to. You're always picking twice per string. Typically, you pick down, up, down, up, down, up. That's, that technique is not only needed for playing pentatonic scale patterns, but you know that pentatonic patterns are used all over popular styles of music. So when you improve how you play up and down pentatonic scale patterns, you do, in fact, prepare yourself to, do, to play real music uh, with it. And then major scale patterns, of course, have more notes. Pentatonic is a five-tone scale. Uh, major scale patterns have seven notes. Right? Do, re, mi, fa, sol, la, ti, do, that sort of sound. So they require uh, more fingers on your left hand. They're, you know, playing major scales is just, uh, there's more involved. Um, I usually recommend that players uh, work on the pentatonic scales first. That's what I like to do with students. And then um, when they're comfortable with those patterns and they can play, you know, simple riffs and, and fun stuff with it, um, I would then have them move on to major scale patterns because at that point their fingers um, are in better shape and they're more prepared to handle the slightly more complicated major scale patterns. And major scale patterns uh, would typically have three notes per string, um, or the most of the patterns are going to have three notes per string. And so this makes it more complicated for your picking hand as well, because if you're playing three notes per string, uh, I'm starting here in the sixth string, if I play three notes per string, my right hand is picking down, up, down, and then I move to the next string, and it's up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down, up. What's happening here is that I do not have a consistent picking scheme um, string to string. I start with a downstroke on the sixth string, but if I continuously alternate when I switch strings to the fifth string, I actually start the fifth string with an upstroke, then I start the fourth string with a downstroke, then I start the third string with an upstroke, and... Uh, this is the sort of thing that often trips people up when they're playing music. So you need to get used to this, and playing through major scale patterns is a great way uh, uh, to do that. So if you want a quote-unquote exercise that doesn't involve playing songs, then the, my best recommendation, recommendation would be play scale patterns, pentatonic scale patterns and major scale patterns. And if you, uh, uh, if you have any of my books or my videos that teach this, um, you know that I recommend that you, for example, start with the pentatonic, learn how to cover the whole fretboard with pentatonic scales. Um, it's a great workout for your hands to play through everything. Plus, you get to know your way around the fretboard. Helps you get to know the fretboard. 
Um, and then I tell you, all right, now use those patterns to play songs. And in my books and videos, I have all sorts of lists and, and resources to help you actually, you know, uh, take take some take a scale and make it musical, right? By playing something familiar. all G major pentatonic right there. And I could give you countless pentatonic songs that uh, riffs and melodies and solos that you could play. In fact, I do give you countless ones in my books and in my video courses. Um, so, and then um, this might be a little off topic here because we're talking about exercises, but while we're on scales, let me just mention this and I might talk more about this in a, in a future podcast episode. Um, after you've mapped all the scale patterns out on the fretboard and then learned how to use them uh, to play real music by learning riffs and solos and, and melodies from songs, over time, you kind of will naturally um, de uh, develop some positions and pat patterns that you're most comfortable with playing. You'll end up favoring some positions and patterns, and you may not be using all areas of the fretboard or all the patterns, and that is perfectly okay. You don't need to use all the patterns and all the positions. I recommend you start by mapping everything out just so you understand how it goes together on the fretboard. It's a great workout for your fingers. And, and so you can determine what positions and patterns you like best. In that process, you'll determine what you like best, and then you can, um, you can limit your playing to just those positions and patterns you like best if you'd like. That's what most players do. Um, so I talked about the pentatonic scale. You can do the same thing with major scale patterns. Um, it's going to take a little bit more work. There's different ways that you can form major scale patterns on the fretboard. I talk about this in my uh, courses. Um, I talk about how you can play patterns along with music without actually playing the music. Just use the music as a backing track and just that way it uh, you know, if you just play up and down a scale pattern with music, it sounds musical, and you can you can hear the melodic potential and the harmony and stuff from the scale, and it makes it a lot more fun than just sitting here, you know, playing unaccompanied. So I recommend that you do that. But then the next step is after you've learned how to cover the whole fretboard and major scale patterns, that you learn, you know, riffs and solos and melodies that... Um, that use the major scale, right? It's a little bit of Friend of the Devil by the Grateful Dead that just descends the G major scale. I think I screwed it up there um, uh, a little bit. Anyway, and uh, again, in my courses, I give you loads of songs um, to give you ideas of specific parts you can go learn. Um, if you got the video version of fretboard theory, you know that I have that whole resource library that links to videos and tabs and, and in some cases, backing tracks and everything um, in order to <clears throat> help you in that process. So anyway, uh, practicing scale patterns is something you, I guess you could consider an exercise that doesn't necessarily involve playing songs, at least not initially. It should eventually Put those scale patterns to use 
by playing songs. Okay, uh, moving on here. If you want to make your scale practicing more challenging, you could use a technique called melodic patterns. As the name suggests, melodic patterns are ways to play through scale patterns that make the scale sound more melodic. So for example, instead of just playing straight up a major scale pattern, I'm in G here. I might uh, play up the pattern in some staggered groups of three notes like this. If I put it all together with no break. Right? It's got a nice sound to it, and I could do it in reverse as well. Um, let's see. Yeah, so it's, you know, I'm starting on, when I ascended the scale and went up, I started on the first scale degree and I played three notes. Then I started on the second scale degree and played three notes. Then the third scale degree and played three notes, and so on. One, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three. And I did the same thing when I, I reversed it when I went down. So um, melodic patterns will uh, make playing through scales uh, more more challenging because of uh, you're playing more. You're you're you're. Um, you're playing these groups of notes and you're restarting on different uh, scale degrees. So it just makes the fingering and it makes the picking uh, much more challenging. Uh, so it's just, an, it's just another way that you can, um, quote, exercise your fingers um, if you want to. And there's different types of melodic patterns. I demonstrated playing in groups of three. You could play in uh, groups of two. In this case, I would start on the second scale degree, and I would play the second scale degree, then the first scale degree, then the third scale degree, and the second scale degree, right? So it'd sound like this. That sort of thing. Um, you could play in groups of four. So you can start, you can go up the scale and go one, two, three, four, and start on the second scale degree. One, two, three, four, right? You know, you could play, and I'm just playing in one position here. Of course, you could do this in different positions around the fretboard, right? You could play in thirds. So if you think about the scale degrees, uh, instead of going one, two, three, four, you can go one, two, three. Excuse me. You you go one, three. Uh, two, four, three, five. So you're kind of leapfrogging up the scale here. That's playing in thirds. And these patterns, uh, you can do them in major scale patterns. They also work in pentatonic scale patterns. So um, if I take, um, let me go to like A minor pentatonic. So I can go down the scale pattern like that, or I could go down in groups of three, right, like this. Right, 
down in groups of four. Uh, um, maybe a leapfrog. Um, and uh, so on. So um, those are called melodic patterns. So you can use them in both pentatonic and major scales. And the as exercises, they're excellent because they are not only a great workout for your fretting fingers. I mean, they take playing scales to a whole new level in terms of, uh, the, uh, you know, the, the challenge of it. Um, so, I mean, in, in both hands, right? Your, fing your fingering and your picking. You're really going to test your picking. Um, but since melodic patterns are often used in music, play practicing them, is also good for developing your practical playing skills. Melodic patterns come up a lot in melodies and uh, riffs and solos. I mean, what you heard in that... Uh, I am switching sounds here. What you heard in the um, stairway solo I was playing earlier was a little bit of a melodic pattern, you know? The way it kind of... Uh, change directions there, but you'll often hear um, in guitar solos. I'm in the pentatonic in guitar solos. You'll often hear stuff like, right? Or, so it's not just a mindless, you know, unmusical exercise. Melodic patterns are actually quite useful. So if you wanted an exercise. Um, you could do something like that. But I wouldn't really call them a non-musical exercise because they're very musical. And they actually come out of music. So um, you, when you practice melodic patterns, you're es essentially taking um, a, a, a composition technique that is frequently used in songs and you're, you're turning it into an exercise. So melodic patterns are great. However... As you, don't get ahead of yourself. Okay, melodic patterns are best used by players who are well past the beginning stages of learning and have no trouble playing complete songs. Even more than that, I wouldn't recommend melodic patterns until after you're totally comfortable with playing straight up and down pentatonic scale patterns and you're comfortable uh, playing a lot of simple melodies and riffs with them. Then you could work on melodic patterns. They're kind of next level stuff. You don't want to get ahead of yourself where you get distracted by exercises that get in your way of actually um, applying the simpler things that you know and making real music. You know, I've had a lot of students that come to me and they're like, well, I need some help with this picking exercise. And they'll demonstrate it to me. And anyway, in the course of the lesson, I later figure out that this student couldn't play a simple song using G, C, and D. And I'm like, why are you working on this picking exercise now? Like it's, you know, let's back up and let's put your open chords, your power chords, your bar chords, let's put those to use actually playing real songs so you can get up on stage and play with a band or something. Then we can worry about, you know, um, developing, you know, more picking skills. So don't get ahead of yourself um, with anything that you do on the guitar. By the way, a lot of talk about picking here. I actually have a course called Guitar Picking Mechanics. You could purchase it as a book. Um, it's available on Amazon, or you could purchase it as a video course. It's available on my website. 
And in that course, I get into all the details of all the different picking techniques you need to be familiar with in order to play popular styles of music. I even break down uh, some sections of Stairway to Heaven like I did earlier in this podcast and a lot more. Man, it's a great course. And uh, true to my style, I relate everything to familiar songs. So everything is super practical and a lot of fun. However, before you say, that sounds awesome, I want to go out and uh, improve my picking technique. Like I said earlier, don't get ahead of yourself. It's really best for players who are well beyond the basics and they're totally comfortable playing songs and music. And now they're ready to really refine their skills and take things to the next level. So you can check that out. It's called Guitar Picking Mechanics. Hey, we got to wrap this podcast episode up, but I do have one final thought on guitar exercises. And this is kind of in regard to those non-musical exercises that I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast that I was so critical of. Right? That sort of stuff. Uh, So here's the deal. Um, If you actually enjoy playing those types of exercises then don't let me hold you back from doing what you like. Uh, You know, go ahead and add them to your practice routine if it makes you happy, all right? But just remember, okay, those exercises are no substitute for playing music. So if you want to get good at playing real music, then you have to practice playing real music in the form of songs. So if you just happen to like those strange exercises and you feel like it's a a nice warm-up, uh, for you, or they're fun, and they, I don't know, they're amusing to you, then go ahead and do them. That's fine. But I would keep the time you spend on them short, and I would spend as much time as you can on actually playing songs. If you're looking for something just to kind of warm your hands up and get the blood flowing before you jump into something too difficult, play a simple song. That's what I do. You know, I'll t- turn on some songs. I might put on, you know, Brown Eyed Girl for a, for. An example, I'll turn it on and I'll play along, you know, and I just strum along, it's super, super simple, I might play a little bass line, you know, maybe at some point I might play a little bit of that uh, guitar melody here at the beginning. And I'll play along with the whole song for a couple of minutes, and then my hands are warmed up, and then, you know, I might work on whatever I was planning to practice that day. Maybe I was going to work on a guitar solo or something, but I want to make sure my hands are warmed up first. So even when I'm warming up, I'm playing music. I'm I'm, I'm playing something musical, playing a simple song, just strumming, getting the blood flowing to my my hands. Uh, That's what I recommend you do as well. All right, so now you know the number one best exercise to improve your guitar playing. What is it? Playing songs. That's right. Hey, and if you need help getting on a good plan playing songs, head over to my website, guitarmusictheory.com. Answer the questions I ask you about your playing. Select the answer that best describes you right now. 
and I will send you some free custom video instruction calibrated to your current level so I can help you get out of plan, fill in any gaps in your playing so that you can play songs, you can play real music, you can sound great and you can make good progress and eventually reach all of your playing goals. So head over to guitarmusictheory.com and get signed up. And hey, if you're not receiving emails from me regarding my podcasts or my videos or all the other stuff that I have uh, going on, you can just head over to the website and you can sign up for a free course and uh, you'll automatically get uh, added to my email list as well. And that's how we can stay in touch. Hey, my backing music has just ended. Hmm, I didn't plan that out very well, did I? All right, listen, uh, make sure you're subscribing to this podcast wherever you are listening to it. Uh, leave a good rating and leave me some positive comments. I would appreciate that. Thanks for listening and stay tuned for more.